The war in Gaza may have the largest worldwide impact of any war in our time. Learn what's going on from a Muslim perspective in this episode of the Church Next podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Church Next podcast. My name is Chris Yaw, and I'm your host as we learn from gifted presenters on a variety of topics designed to help us grow in our spiritual lives. You are listening to episode number 103. It's called Israel, Gaza, and a Muslim Perspective with Steve L. Turk. Steve is a Muslim imam overseeing a large Muslim congregation in Michigan, heading up the Islamic Organization of North America. Our podcasts are curated from our online learning library over at churchnext.tv. You can find out more by going there. And if you'd like to support us, consider a $9 monthly subscription that will give you access to all of our individual online classes or make a one-time gift to us via Venmo at Church Next. Your generosity helps us produce digital experiences that help shape disciples. The relationship between Palestinians and the land of historic Palestine, which includes uh, present-day Israel, the West Bank, and uh, Gaza, is deeply rooted in both historical and religious narratives. In terms of the historical roots, Palestinians uh, trace their heritage to ancient civilizations that inhabited the region including Canaanites, uh, Philistines, and other indigenous peoples. Many families have lived uh, on this land for generations, and their ties are based on centuries-old settlements, cultural traditions, and historical connections to the land. As for land as homeland, Palestinians view historic Palestine as their ancestral homeland, emphasizing their continuous presence in the region for centuries. The land holds significance in Palestinian identity, which ties with ties to traditions, customs, and a sense of belonging passed down through generations. About uh, the Quranic and religious connections, the Quran, Islam's holy book, makes references to historic events and figures associated with the land of Palestine. It is considered sacred in Islamic tradition due to its connection to prophets such as Abraham, Moses, and others. The religious significance of sites like Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa Mosque, and other places in the region holds deep spiritual importance for Palestinians and Muslims worldwide. Chapter 17, for instance, entitled The Night Journey, refers to the miraculous night journey of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, from the sacred mosque, Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca, to the Father's Mosque, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, or the Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. This event is a testament to the prophethood of Muhammad, and signifies the divine connection between the Abrahamic faiths. The farthest mosque, often identified with the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, is mentioned in the Quran as a place of blessings and a location where God showed the Prophet some of his signs. This event 
holds great spiritual and religious significance in Islam, emphasizing the connection between the holiness of Mecca and the sanctity of Jerusalem in the Islamic faith. In an authentic hadith or a saying of Prophet Muhammad, he says, Then I found myself among a group of the prophets, and the time for prayer came, so I led them in prayer. The message suggests that, ultimately, the control of the two sanctuaries, the sacred mosque in Mecca and the farthest mosque, Al-Aqsa Mosque, in Jerusalem will come under the governance of the Muslim community, and it was so until 1967. The very second verse talks about Moses and the children of Israel. And we gave Moses the scripture and made it a guide for the children of Israel, stating, entrust yourselves to no one but me. The mention of the children of Israel is not coincidental, but holds a significant message. It indicates that the leadership and prophethood were were which were once bestowed upon the children of Israel through a chain of prophets, will also be reinstated through the final messenger, Muhammad, peace be upon him. Lastly, regarding the cultural heritage, Palestinian cultural practices, including food, music, dance, and literature, are deeply rooted in their connection to the land. Traditional Palestinian cuisine, for instance, reflects the region's agricultural history and traditions tied to the local uh, produce. Finally, uh, the narrative uh, of displacement and exile. Palestinians also hold narratives of displacement and exile, particularly after the establishment of the State of Israel in 1948 known to Palestinians as the Nakba, the catastrophe. Uh, many Palestinians were forced to leave their homes and became refugees, leading to a diaspora that uh, continues to shape their collective memory and connection to the land. Understanding the Palestinian relationship to the land involves acknowledging these multifaceted layers of history, culture, and religious significance that contribute to their identity and connection to historic Palestine. These connections play a pivotal role in shaping Palestinian aspirations for self-determination and statehood. The arrival of uh, Jewish settlers in the late 19th and early 20th centuries leading to the establishment of Israel is a complex historical process. Let's begin with the idea of a Jewish state. Theodore Herzl, uh, who is considered the founder of modern political Zionism, laid out the foundational principles and vision for the establishment of a Jewish state. In his book, Herzl argued that anti-Semitism was a persistent problem in Europe and proposed that the solution was the creation of a Jewish homeland where Jews could live free from persecution. Herzl's ideas gained traction among Jewish communities, especially in Europe. 
and contributed significantly to the Zionist movement, which aimed to promote a Jewish immigration to Palestine and eventually establish a Jewish state. Now, that's the problem. The Basel uh, program approved at the 1897 First Zionist Congress is, is a foundational document of the Zionist movement. It encapsulated the fundamental goals and aspirations of the Zionist movement, providing a framework for the establishment of a Jewish homeland. The first line states, Zionism seeks to establish a home for the Jewish people in Palestine secured under public law. Note the word Palestine. This sentence emphasizes the central aim of Zionism. Then came the Balfour Declaration, 1917. The declaration expressed support for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine while respecting the rights of existing non-Jewish communities in the region. This declaration marked a significant moment of international recognition and support for Jewish aspirations in Palestine. They never consulted with the indigenous Palestinians, rather it was imposed. The United States eventually consented to the proposal or declaration. Uh, the League of Nations uh, granted Britain the mandate to administer Palestine. During this period, a Jewish immigration to Palestine increased, driven by various factors such as persecution in Europe, Zionist ideology, and the desire for a Jewish homeland. Jewish communities grew in Palestine, purchasing land and establishing settlements. According to demographics of Palestine in 1914, there were about uh, 94,000 Jews. By 1947, due in part for the British mandate, the Jewish population grew to 630,000 Jews. The increasing Jewish presence led to tensions and conflicts between Jewish and Arab communities in Palestine. The conflicting aspirations for national self-determination led to violent clashes and unrest. In 1947, after the Second World War, the UN proposed a partition plan for Palestine recommending the division of the territory into separate Jewish and Arab states with Jerusalem as an international city. The Jewish leadership accepted the plan, but Arab leaders rejected it, leading to further conflict. Following the expiration of the British mandate in May 1948, Jewish leaders declared the establishment of the State of Israel. This declaration led to a war between the newly declared state and surrounding Arab countries in what had become known as the Nakba or the Catastrophe, which refers to the violent displacement and dispossession of the Palestinian people, along with the destruction of their society, culture, identity, political rights, and national aspirations.
approximately 700,000 Palestinian Arabs were expelled or fled from their homes in what is now Israel proper, which covers 78% of the total land of the former British mandate for Palestine. This displacement led to the creation of Palestinian refugees. The conflicting claims to the land and the consequences of this period continue to shape the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the geopolitical landscape of the region to this day. Understanding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from 1967 onward involves considering significant events, dynamics, and shifts in the region. Here are key aspects to consider. Let's begin with the Six-Day War of 1967. In June 1967, Israel fought the Six-Day War against Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. Israel's victory resulted in the occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Gaza Strip, Sinai Peninsula, and the Golan Heights in Syria. This marked a turning point as Israel gained control over territories inhabited by Palestinians, leading to the start of the Palestinian resistance against Israeli occupation. Israel's occupation of the newly acquired territories led to the establishment of Israeli settlements in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, which are considered illegal under international law. The expansion of settlements has been a major point of contention and a significant obstacle to peace negotiations. Here is something not many people know or are aware of. According to Diplomacy and Statecraft Journal, volume 33, uh, issued in 2022, last year, analysis argues that the record of negotiations at the Security Council strongly indicates that by the mid-70s, the PLO was ready to accept the terms of a two-state settlement, even as the United States and Israel persistently rejected a negotiated settlement inclusive of a Palestinian of Palestinian self-determination. Now, the New York Times ran an article on January 27, 1976, the very next day. The United States vetoed a Middle East resolution in the Security Council tonight. The defeated motion would have placed the Council on record as favoring the establishment of an independent Palestinian state and calling for the total Israeli withdrawal from all Arab territories occupied in the 1967 war. Uh, then came the first intifada from 1987 to 1993. Uh, the first intifada was a Palestinian uprising against Israeli occupation, characterized by widespread protests, civil disobedience, and Palestinian grassroots resistance. This period marked a shift in Palestinian strategies, drawing international attention to their plight. In 1993, the Oslo Accords 
initiated a peace process between Israel and the Palestinians, leading to the creation of the Palestinian Authority and limited self-governance in parts of the West Bank and Gaza. However, the Oslo process faced challenges, including settlement expansion, and failed to achieve a final resolution to the conflict. Then came the second intifada, 2000 to 2005. The second intifada erupted amid frustration over the failure of peace talks and escalating tensions, leading to a violent uprising characterized by suicide bombings, Israeli military responses, and widespread unrest. In 2005, Israel unilaterally withdrew its settlers and military forces from the Gaza Strip, yet it maintained control over Gaza's borders, airspace, and coastline, leading to a blockade that severely restricted the movement of goods and people. This is what is commonly known as an open-air prison. Issues like security, borders, Jerusalem, Palestinian refugees, settlements, and the right to self-determination remain unresolved, perpetuating the conflict. Understanding the conflict today involves recognizing the complex historical, political, religious, and territorial dimensions that continue to shape the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, with both sides holding deeply entrenched narratives and aspirations for sovereignty and security. Efforts toward a peaceful resolution remain a complex challenge involving multiple stakeholders, global diplomatic efforts, and a willingness to address long-standing grievances and compromises from all sides. Both sides need to commit to meaningful and direct negotiations without preconditions. A willingness to engage in dialogue facilitated by international mediators, if needed, is very important, is crucial. The tension between Israelis and Palestinians may be resolved by ending the occupation, the right of return of refugees, and upholding UN resolutions. These are critical elements in the pursuit of a comprehensive and just resolution to the Israeli-Palestinian struggle. The occupation of Palestinian territories by Israel since 1967 remains a significant impediment to peace. Ending the occupation and dismantling Israeli settlements in the occupied territories in line with UN Security Council resolutions and international law is crucial for establishing a sovereign and viable Palestinian state. Regarding the right of return for refugees, the issue of Palestinian refugees resulting from the 1948 Arab-Israeli war and subsequent conflicts remains unresolved. Many Palestinians seek the right of return to their ancestral homes, as affirmed by UN General Assembly Resolution 194. 
addressing this issue, whether through actual return, compensation, resettlement, or acknowledgement of the right of return is essential for a comprehensive peace agreement. Upholding UN resolutions, including resolutions 242 and 338, which called for the withdrawal of Israeli forces from occupied territories and the establishment of secure and recognized borders is crucial. Finally, and this is the most important of all, Jerusalem. The status of Jerusalem is one of the most sensitive and contentious issues in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Both Israelis and Palestinians claim Jerusalem as their capital, and it holds immense religious, cultural, and historical significance for Jews, Muslims, and Christians. Resolving the issue of Jerusalem is important for any comprehensive peace agreement. Various proposals and negotiations have suggested different models, including shared sovereignty, special international status, or a two-state solution where each side has control over different parts of the city. Achieving a resolution on Jerusalem involves addressing the aspirations and concerns of both Israelis and Palestinians, ensuring access to holy sites for all faiths, and finding a solution that respects the religious and cultural significance of the city for all parties involved. Negotiations focused on Jerusalem's future status remain a key challenge in the pursuit of a lasting peace agreement. Resolving these core issues requires a willingness from both sides to engage in negotiations based on the principles of international law, mutual recognition, and compromise. It involves addressing the rights and aspirations of both Israelis and Palestinians, ensuring security, dignity, and self-determination for both peoples. International support, diplomatic efforts, and adherence to the principles outlined in UN resolutions are fundamental in advancing a peaceful resolution to the conflict. Negotiations should be guided by these resolutions and international law to ensure a just and lasting peace that respects the rights of both Israelis and Palestinians. That's our podcast for the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to know more about us, pop on over to churchnext.tv. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and be with you today and always. Amen.